This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Standard issue for all women. Oh, hey there, Mickey here. Welcome to the Standard Issue Gigcast, which has a special Boxing Day flavour because it was recorded on International Men's Day Boxing Day, which is totally a thing. And you know how I know that? David Mitchell said. And I think we can all agree with what David Mitchell says, unless it's about how to keep tropical fish. Because yes, in this episode, our one gig of the year where we allow some blokes to do the talking, Sarah and I had a bellyachingly fun time with Richard Herring, Colin Jackson, David Mitchell and David Morrissey. Chat included bologna sandwiches, Kez, too many trainers, a fish not called Chris, the power of exercise and the smell of balls. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Leicester Square Theatre in November. That means a couple of the plugs are out of date. As in, the Upstart Crow Christmas special was on yesterday on Christmas Day, but you can get it on catch-up and you absolutely should. Our next and indeed final gig at Leicester Square before we move to our new King's Place home is on January the 15th and it is a corker with kick-ass comedians Jen Brister and London Hughes and also the creator and star of the excellent This Country, Daisy May Cooper. Tickets and info are available from www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. Our first King's Place gig is happening on February the 14th and will be way better than any romantic nonsense as we have got bona fide national treasure Claire Balding and very funny bird indeed Sarah Pascoe. Find us on the King's Place website www.kingsplace.co.uk forward slash what's hyphen on forward slash words. You can follow us at Standard Issue UK on Twitter and also find us on Facebook and Instagram. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Acast and other smashing podcasty outlets. Thanks to Maddie Hickish for all things tech, to all at Leicester Square Theatre and to David, Colin, David and Richard. And to you for listening. Everything you hear is just opinion, so don't get your pants in a dance and enjoy the show. We had a bloody blast. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. <laughs> Mickey, would you like to start? Sarah? Yes? There are men on stage. <laughs> I know there are men here. I could sense penises. Um, <laughs> I could, I could I smell balls. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Hang on a minute. That is harsh. <laughs> Isn't that? Imagine how my nose feels. <laughs> We didn't, we didn't specify they need to be clean men, just men. Yeah, uh, yes, it is the International Men's Day uh, special of Standard Issue Podcast. Uh, and our lovely guests here are very welcome. And would you like to start with our introductions, Mickey? Sure. Uh, so we introduce ourselves by saying our name, what we do, and a random fact about ourselves. So I'm Mickey Noonan. I'm a quarter of the Standard Issue Podcast team. And my mum was a single mum, so she did some dating and there was one boyfriend that I really didn't like, so in the middle of the night, I got up and put marmalade in his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> 
just last week. <laughs> it was about eight. Feels like a, a Paddington story, potentially. <laughs> I did have a Paddington bear, and I told her that he made me do it. <laughs> OK, that's more worrying. <laughs> uh, Morrissey, which is what we're doing, by the way, guys. Morrissey, Mitchell... Colin and Should Richard. we start off by seeing David Morrissey? No, so yes. it's not Just in case people get very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> End up being quite racist. No, um, yes, I'm David Morrissey. I'm an actor. I did, the fun fact I thought was going to be a fun fact rather than an anecdote. So my fun fact is that I'm obsessed with Strictly. That's my fun fact. And I'm the only person in my house who is. But, uh, yeah, and it's just fantastic. Who's your favourite? Who's your favourite of this series? Well, I think Ashley's too good. That's all I'm saying. I think she's brilliant. She is good, but she's a dancer and she's an American. So uh, <laughs> that's my Morrissey moment out of the way. Um, no, uh, so Oti's my favourite, but she's not a celebrity. But um, yeah, I think I think Charlie. Well, God, it's that's a hard question. Can you get back to me? I think they're all great. I think Stacey is my favourite. Yeah. I think Stacey is just so great, and I, I just love her. I think she's just wonderful. Good. Do you, you have any moves? Do I have any moves? Yeah. Not now you've insulted my balls, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay just so still. Because <laughs> I don't want to waft anything over in your direction. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been my balls. I might be able to smell them from over there. Oh. I, I think it's your balls, Richard. <laughs> might be. <laughs> David Mitchell? It wasn't my balls. <laughs> I have no balls. Um, uh, hello. I, uh, yeah, I'm David Mitchell. I'm a comedian, and the uh, fact I'm going to say, uh, I'm not going to say it's fun, uh, but is uh, also about my mother. Uh, uh, not that any others have been about my mother. <laughs> Yours, Mickey, was about your mother. It's also about a mother, in this case, my mother. And the fact is that she went to school with Neris Hughes. Oh! That's great! Yeah. They haven't stayed in touch. <laughs> I don't know whether Neris Hughes is still alive, to be honest. She is. Right. How do well, you so, know? Have you know what, I always you... keep up to date with, uh, <laughs> uh, specifically the cast of the yeah. live birds. <laughs> <laughs> Colin? Oh, dear. Yeah, well, I'm Colin Jackson, a uh, former athlete, a world record-breaking athlete. Yeah. Uh, now, um, <laughs> I thought I'd just chuck that in, yeah. right? You just kind of... Just throw that in, just throw that in, right. just throw that in. That, that's a fun fact in itself. That's a fun fact <laughs> in itself, yeah, yeah. Especially if it was true, right? <laughs> um, but now a broadcaster, and um, I was always trying to decide what my fun fact about myself would be. And then I really just looked down and I thought to myself, ah, I know what it is. I own most probably about 600 pairs of trainers. <gasps> Whoa. Wow. That's not a good thing, really, is it, right? Are they all different and you just really like that one pair <laughs> most of them are just black and white <laughs> it's so not it's that you just strange. have a lot of shares in a chain of shoe shops <laughs> <laughs> access to good training shoes <laughs> directly but yeah that is a, a weird thing even though i'm a sportsman you may think i'd have a couple of pairs right but no i think i've got an unhealthy obsession with them 
I tried to wear shoes today, and these were the closest I had. And they are not shoes. They're not shoes. <laughs> How long does it take you to get ready, Colin? Um, well, I had a little bit of a problem today because uh, I had a burst tyre. So, luckily, and this is the truth, luckily I've got about four pairs of trainers in the boot. <laughs> so I just exchanged the dirty ones that were there that I used and put these ones on. Wow. Sad, uh -huh. right? No, no. Brilliant. <laughs> prepared, very prepared. Okay, if prepared. only you had more car shoes, <laughs> yeah. which is what, what I call tyres. <laughs> <laughs> no luck. You've invested in too many human shoes and not enough car shoes. Surely they'd work, though, wouldn't they? If, if you put 600 of them around the edge, you know, of, uh, <laughs> that would work. It would work, it would work. I need to travel with you more, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Richard? Yes, hello, I'm Richard Herring, I'm a comedian. Uh, my fun fact about me is that I'm the world's only semi-professional self-playing snooker player, and therefore a world record holder as well. <laughs> <laughs> in, terms, in terms of athletic prowess? Yes. You or Colin? Um, well, I, know, I, I hope there would be a kind of hurdle competition sometime during the yeah. evening to, to find that out, <laughs> to find which of us can jump the, over the highest hurdle. I think, and I think it still could be me. <laughs> <laughs> At this stage of the evening. Sarah? Uh, I am Sarah Milliken. I am a comedian and one quarter of the Standard Issue team. And I'm going to start on what does International Men's Day mean to you? Uh, Richard, let's start with you. Um, well, for me personally, I've got a bit of a history with International Men's Day. Uh, in that, um, Tell us what that is. Well, on International w Women's Day, for quite a few years now, uh, I've, I've noticed on Twitter a lot of people going, why is there no International Men's Day? There'd never be an International Men's Day. So I decided to find everyone asking that question and let them know that it's November the 19th. <laughs> so there is one, it's November the 19th. And it, be it became sort of this torturous... Endeavour, because you know, I thought eventually everyone will know that there is one. <laughs> uh, men seem very interested in International Men's Day on International Women's Day, and not that interested on International <laughs> Men's Day. I think it's basically <laughs> it's basically the problem, and which I, I would have no problem with men being interested in International Men's Day. There's much to celebrate about being men, and there's lots of things that uh, men need to have equality with women over. Uh, and but you know, International Women's Day, if successful will achieve that for men as well. That's how equality works. Uh, so uh, so there's, there's lots of uh, issues with it. It, it seems, a, uh, in, a, in a sense, it seems like a response to International Women's Day. So anyway, I, I started doing this for, for quite a few years, and um, it's kind of grown and grown. And then someone said, why don't you uh, sort of get sponsored to do people to sponsor you? So uh, this year, I, I, I set up a Just Giving page and uh, did this all day and raised £150,000 for revenue <laughs> out of... Um, <laughs> Which is kind of out of my own obstinate stupidity and the stupidity of mainly men. <laughs> we've sort of created some, magically created something quite good. So, uh, yeah, so it, that's, it's, it's a bit of a, a millstone around my neck in that I know the date of it very well. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, I, and you get from both sides. I've, you know, when I do this on International Women's Day, I get... Most people love it and most people get it and most feminists, I have to say, really get it and love it and understand a man doing this is quite apt because it sort of corrals that section off and everyone else can get on with enjoying International Women's Day. But some feminists go, well, why is he making it about, all about a man? Uh, which is sort of the point I'm making about the other guys as well, I suppose. Uh, and, and some extreme male uh, 
Meninists, I suppose you would call them, get upset with me <laughs> for not supporting the Brotherhood. But it just feels a bit too much. I, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's perfectly good mental health days and suicide prevention days. And, and it, I think there's an element where guys are trying to say, oh, no, but International Men's Day is about this. But it's still 50% about... Why haven't we got a day? I want a day. Why is it not my birthday today? What's going on? Why, why has he got a birthday and I haven't? Um, so, uh, why is there a National AIDS Day? I haven't got AIDS. When will there be a day for people who don't have AIDS? When, when's that going to happen? So it, it, that's my problem with it, because I think it should, you know, so it, it, I, in, a, in a way, I'm sort of coming around thinking I'd quite like to make International Men's Day a proper thing where we can celebrate being men without it being uh, as a response to mm. the idea that it's ridiculous. Why is, when's National Slave Owners Month? Uh, <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> <laughs> this has taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do have quite a lot of feelings about it, but it's... But, it's, <laughs> but it would be... Um, but, you know, I'm also proud to be a man, and, I, you know, I think we should celebrate men, and, and by no means do I think all men have cushy, perfect lives, and there's lots mm. of things that are very awful. I'm, and I'm not proud to be no. a man. I, I, don't, I don't think I deserve any credit for it. No. <laughs> it's, it's literally just something that happened to me, and I'm, I feel neither pride nor shame. That's good. Well, that's Fair maybe point. what we should be aiming yeah, for yeah. eventually. Yes, it's... Yeah. In all these days, there's too many days that I'm trying to make people proud of what they are, and maybe just everyone just, should be a just, little bit ashamed. <laughs> no, I, I would just say neutral, neutral, just less emotionally engaged with everything. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what International Men's Day means to you, dear? Uh, yes. Well, I always think, what am I doing for International Men's Day this year? <laughs> I, I have asked myself... Uh, Literally never. Um, uh, but, the, but you answered the question before I'd asked it, and it, the answer this year is this podcast, so that's nice. Um, oh, we're very yeah. happy you're here. Yeah, well, I'm very happy to be here, and it's really made International Men's Day an occasion, which it <laughs> has absolutely never been for me before, and, and may it never isn't. again. And also, so. today isn't International Men's Day, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> OK. So this is what you do well, on the day after International, international Men's Day. Interna the, the boxing day yeah. of International <laughs> Men's Day. It's, you know, yeah, great. We can really just relax after all of the stress of International Men's Day itself. Um, yeah, it's great. Colin, does it mean anything to you or not? Well, to be honest, no. Right? <laughs> Super fat. But as you can guess, I'm from Wales. Mm. And when I told people I was coming up to London, the big city... They were all very impressed, first of all, coming from there. That was the first thing they Did they all wave you off at the train station? <laughs> all of Wales. And they said to me, have you got your money for the bridge to come back? <laughs> so the next thing they did, they made sure they looked after me properly. But when I did say to them I was going up to London, they said to me, what's that then? I was like, oh, you don't know what it... Yeah. And then one woman piped up. It was a woman. She did pipe up and she said, that was yesterday. What are you going up today for? <laughs> so I was like, was it? <laughs> yeah, the reason we got today is because Richard Heron was here yesterday. And <laughs> that's why. <laughs> so the fact is, yeah, I think like the others, I think we're proud to be represented men, but we didn't have that much choice in the situation, right? Mm. We just rocked up, you know, 
being men, I guess that's yeah. it, right? Mm. We can't help ourselves. So, but for me, it's a. It's a <laughs> just, no, maybe no. try to be <laughs> good, good men, better men. Good yeah. men. Yeah. We could try to be better men. Good and, good and better men. And maybe celebrate like that. that aspect. Yes. I, I quite like to get Colin's uh, sentence on a T-shirt. Men, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just can't help myself. Just out of context. <laughs> <laughs> but talking of t-shirts, you could read this one. Look at that. Off the scale. Off, Off the, the scale. scale. Yeah. Oh, that's what I my don't know scales. What it means, that's, what my, <laughs> that's what my scales say to me. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> off. Just fucking off. <laughs> David Morrissey, what does it mean to you? Uh, international. Um, well, it makes me feel international. Because I nice. usually feel very regional. Uh, so I feel like I'm, I'm going out there a bit more, that there's more of us. Uh, yeah, but it means that I, I, you know, I tend to do the same thing every year on International Month. I stay in bed for a bit, you know. I have breakfast in bed, I get up late, sort of, you know, go around in my slippers and my, my sort of dressing gown for a bit, you know. So what I do every day, really. <laughs> and uh, I, to be honest, I didn't even know it existed until you invited me onto this show. So there we go. <laughs> Don't no, follow me on Twitter then, David. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know I said I did, but I was lying. Uh, yeah, no, that's... When, you, when you have breakfast in bed, did you make it yourself? I do, yeah. So and I, then I, go back to bed with yeah. it? Yeah. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of breakfast in well, bed? Well, no, what I do is I keep a, a box of Rice Krispies just by the bed. <laughs> so I don't have to get out, I just get my hand down like that. <laughs> Put them in my throat. <laughs> You're so international. Yes, that's, that's, that's what my uh, fr friends in Polynesia told me to do. You know, that's, what can I tell you? It's what a continental breakfast is. That's a continental after, breakfast in my house. After Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there won't be Rice Krispies after Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I meant dust. Oh, Just yeah. <laughs> So, I would like to know, and I'm going to start with Mr. David Mitchell, what do you like best about yourself? And it can be personality or looks or the smell of your balls. It can be anything. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> that's a very... That's a question I, f I don't... I'm immediately uncomfortable to answer. <laughs> um, I, can, I can rule out the smell of my balls. Um, I don't think it's particularly pungent, but at the same time, it's not what I like best about myself. <laughs> Um, when did you last smell them? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I don't, like, bend over and have a good whiff. <laughs> just, but I, but I, I don't know whether of the smells that have happened to my nose recently, whether some of them may partially have emanated from my own scrotal sack. I don't know. I'm not giving the smells I encounter that level of analysis. Right. Um, so I, I'll, I'll rule out ball smell as a thing that I like most about myself. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think I think I, yeah. I, I, it's, that's a really. You're not supposed to talk about yourself. In that <laughs> very un-British. You're not supposed to say what's good about you. You're yeah. supposed to say self-deprecating things and then hope other people say nice things about yourself. Are you, are you really good at being self-deprecating? Uh, well, I, I sort of try to do it, but you know, it's entirely. <laughs> Um, Are you being self-deprecating about being self-deprecating? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I know, instinctively, I was about to say, yeah, I try to do it, but it's always insincere. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I sort of... That's, it's like I'm not wired to answer that question. That's not how my... I, I, I have an 
ego that I require other people to inflate while I go, oh, don't do that. <laughs> um, so, but yes, okay, that, that, that relentless insistence on other people inflating my ego rather than my having the self-confidence to do it myself, I think that's marvellous. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. You do do it very well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Colin, what about you? What do you like best about yourself? <laughs> if I'm honest, um, <laughs> this is a, it is a tough question. Yeah, you right. kind of sound a little bit like a narcissist, don't you, when you say, I'm a great audience member <laughs> because I laugh at virtually everything, right? That's, that's the, the thing. I think one time someone There are said various me, theatrical productions where that would be inappropriate. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know, but they have said to me I would laugh if my granny's backside was on fire, right? <laughs> I would so, think I'd laugh for that as well. Exactly, right? You would set so, the fire. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, perhaps I would say that I was a, a, a great um, audience member. I can support well. How about that? Yeah, if people need that little bit of support. So if an actor's struggling on the stage or a comedian's <laughs> jokes just go flat, yeah. I'll giggle. Yeah. <laughs> that's what every comedian wants is just one person. Right <laughs> there, yeah. that's, that's, that's really what we're aiming for, just really loud, <laughs> drawing attention to the silence well, of everyone else. That would draw others on to giggle. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm a good audience member and a good team player. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Good team player. That's what I go for. Like you're probably, to be fair on yourself, quite a good hurdler as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't like that about himself. No, He's I don't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> not, to, not to like it. I'm forced to do it. He never enjoyed hurdling. That was just a consequence. And they sent him out there. Get hurdling, Jackson. <laughs> I don't like it. Do it. <laughs> get in it. You coached me as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip to Mr. David Morrissey. Oh. So what, what, the question was, what do I like about myself? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like David and Colin said, it's hard, that one. What I like about my life is I like, and you might touch on this later on, is I like being a dad. So I like that. I like that role. I like, uh, I like being with my kids. I've got two sons and a daughter, and they're all very different. And I like that. I like that interchange, interaction with them and being with them. They make me laugh. They, they sort of, you know, really cut you down a peg or two as well. So all those things, I like that thing of being with the, the, the kids in my, in my life. That's really great. But it's, um, it's hard work, and we all know that, and it's a bit wild at times. But uh, that's what I like about myself. I do like being, if I thought about the things in my life that I like, that's, that's what, I, what, I, what I would say. But about myself, sort of like, you know, who I am or stuff. I'm not sure about that. It's hard to address that. It's very un-British to sort of think in those terms. But yeah, fatherhood is something that changed me massively and um, changed my perspective, uh, perception of the world and everything. So that's the thing that even now I, I sort of wake up thinking, God, I'm so glad about that. That's the thing I like most. Good answer. Not that yours weren't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Richard? Uh, I like the smell of my own farts. 
Most of the time. Occasionally not, though. Do you play darts? <laughs> occasionally one, even I go, no, that's too much. <laughs> but apart I think that, everyone likes the smell of it. Yeah, but that's what I like. So, don't yeah. I mean, not necessarily, that's, that's not necessarily the thing they like most about it. <laughs> that's what I, I like think, most. I think it's other people's farts that people mind. <laughs> yeah. I Sometimes I mind my own ones, but, yeah, main, but mainly think, oh. I quite like to wallow in them. Yeah, that's the old. Ideally. <laughs> Do you find them? I find them quite comforting. My ones. <laughs> my, no, my. No, okay. <laughs> I, I don't always recognise mine, though. Yeah. Uh, I was. I think I've, always, I've always remembered that they where they they've, they've just come out. So <laughs> that's that's I the thing it. about me. It's so instantaneous. Yeah. I, next that I have the little the time day, to forget. I, I walked out on stage. Uh, yeah. One of my twitches, the initial walk out, and the, the microphone because the the stage was a big stage. So I I was worried they weren't going to stop clapping by the time. I, so I kind of did a little sort of sort of jog to get to the microphone and then as soon as I got to the microphone I could just smell fart and the audience were already close and I thought oh bless them somebody's farted and then I went back so I brought my support act on and then I went back into the dressing room and then I smelt the fart in there as well and I was like oh that was me <laughs> and normally I would notice it coming out yeah. but I think that little jog just <laughs> just brought it out in me Yeah, not cage. used to the exercise because I've got a young I've got a couple of young kids but I've got a one year old and sometimes there's a there's a pooey smell and I go is, was that my? Uh, is, is that the baby or is that me? Sometimes, I, sometimes I don't know which one. It's, so you sometimes I do. A, for, you can tell if it's a full nappy or yeah. your own. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> if you could change anything about yourself, what would you change? Uh, Colin, can I start with you? No. <laughs> you could change the order you're asked this question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, would I change anything about myself? What would I change? Um, um, my age. How old are you? I don't know how old you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roughly. That old. I'm 51. You really? Sure. Wow, you look amazing. <laughs> I'm 51 as well. <laughs> this episode of Standard Issue is sponsored by Sport English. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I can give you a couple of beta trainers <laughs> to see you along the way. Uh, but do you know what? I'd like to be a bit older. Oh, oh, that's not weird. I thought you were going to go. Interesting. Okay. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go younger. God, no. I wouldn't want to go through my life again. No chance. <laughs> um, what, what age would you like to be? <laughs> oh, I think in my mid 60s. What do you think's going to happen then? Uh, Brexit. We're finished by then. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hopefully, yeah, the, 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 that's a starting point. Oh, I think I'll be more mature. Because I'm still a little bit more, I'm still a little bit childish. Will you still be wearing trainers, or will you progress to shoes by then? No chance. The trainers are staying with me. I can tell you that. But no, I'd like to be a little bit older. I've always, I was quite weird when. Well, I think all of us did at a certain stage. You only put a couple of ages on when you need to go into a club or if you want a drink or something like this. But as I got older, I wanted to get even older. So um, I'm not sure if I'm rushing myself into my grave here. Um, 
but yeah, I think about 65, 66. It'd be nice. I think it'd be cool. You could go on all. Wow. Free bus travel. Nice Free bus travel. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of all the positive stuff about it. It'd be great. I'm thinking, no, I'm looking Nice, forward you're to looking it. forward to it. Yeah. All you have to remember is when you get there, uh, then the, you, you'll only have that year to enjoy it. Why do you do that to me? If you could get into that I'm 65 mindset a bit now. earlier, then you could, you could enjoy over a decade of it. Hey, you're not a thinker, you, aren't you? <laughs> I was only Certainly designed not to a doer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's it. I'd like You'd like to be older. older. A bit older. David Morrissey, what would you like to change about yourself, my love? Uh, I, I think I'd like to change the fact that I, I worry a lot. So I'm a bit, I, I worry about everything. And it comes from my mum. My mum sort of uh, was very anxious, but she sort of parented me by doing disastrous stories. So, you know, she'd <laughs> say things like, oh, you know, don't eat that chicken bone because I read about this young lad who sort of had a chicken bone and he died. <laughs> and, you know, something like, you know, you'd be biting your nails. Oh, I read about this little lad in the paper who's biting his nails and he died. <laughs> And, you know, and then you'd say, she'd say things like to, to me about, you know, going out. You know, she was very bogeyman. You know, oh, there's a bogeyman on the estate, so just be careful. Make sure you get home before the, uh, the lights go out and stuff like that. Sun goes down. It was all that. So everything was anxiety. I was surprised there was any kids left in Liverpool with the amount of them that died on the paper. <laughs> but that's, that's, so she, she bred this anxiety in me that the world was really unsafe. And I know she did it through love and everything, but it was to do with the fact that she couldn't parent me when I was out the house. You know, so she used to fill my head full of these stories of the world and how fucking awful it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I get outside, I go, it's all right here. Actually, there's people singing on the bus and everything. It's great. But, you know, it was that thing. And now I do it with my kids. My lads actually say to me, look, you know, we'll go out with your dad, but don't, if you just don't say the word careful, you know. <laughs> so, you know, they get up and they've got a couple of glasses and they're like, careful. Just that's it, and this is like leave me alone. And that's there's an anxiety in there, there's a worry in there that I have, and uh, in the world we live in, obviously it gets exasperated. But you know, I think I'd change that. I think I'd relax a little bit more on that. That's the, and it definitely comes from her, really. Hmm. David Mitchell. Um, I think. Well, I think. I would like to be able. I think I'd like to be able to drive a car. Whoa. Oh, you know, that's something you, you can, can do fix. That. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, and I've never done that. I mean, I had a go once and it didn't work out. But, um, it only takes more than one lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, a, I had an intensive week of oh, lessons right, okay. and then a Crash test. Course. Uh, hey. Precisely, yeah. And, uh, uh, and then I had a test and then I failed. But I hated driving. Uh, and so when I failed the test, I thought, all right, fine, and I forgot about it. But now I feel I should learn and... I, I don't know if I will or not, but I definitely wish I already knew how to <laughs> and had that sort of feeling of facility with it that, mm. uh, that I'd have if I'd learnt when I was, you know, 17, 18, like lots of people do. So I, I wish... Um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not promising I'll learn to drive, but I definitely wish that I already had. <laughs> I learnt at 29, and it took me two years because I kept having breaks and stopping and thinking, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm. And my husband said to me, you might as well have just burnt all that money. You've got to keep going until you pass. And it was my second time of passing. And it, I, the day I passed... I felt this, what you're talking about, this freedom. Mm. And it was the first time I went, uh, it, like, I don't go to parties and things like that, so that doesn't come up. But I went to visit some family members and we had an argument. And this is normally the sort of thing I'd have to stay because I couldn't drive. And I just got in my car and I fucked off. <laughs> 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 and it was brilliant. <laughs> so I do recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you change about yourself, Richard? 
<laughs> There's a I lot. You, I knew you'd struggle. Oh, I thought you didn't struggle to think of anything. I mean, I'm pretty perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, one of the things I could change that I would like to change is I'd like to be thin. Uh, I could do that. I'd like to look like Colin Jackson. I'd like to be Colin Jackson at 35 if he doesn't want the young years. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but, uh, I'd like to be tall, which I can't do anything about. Mm. Um, uh, lifts. You know, you get used to being... You could wear lifts. I could wear, yeah, but yeah, that's, you know. You know. Well, <laughs> it's not, that isn't really being tall. And then, you know, you'd seduce all the wonderful women if my wife had died. I'm assuming. <laughs> I'd, I'd, my wife would be dead. That would be the first thing my wife you, would have done. Yeah. And I'd have mourned that her. That was what it. you'd like to I'd change about yourself, is yeah. that you'd and like to not be married. <laughs> dead. And her death would have um, caused me so much sorrow that I would have grown a foot. <laughs> right. Just like, <laughs> some people go grey overnight, some people's just legs grow very long. <laughs> And then, but if I was wearing lifts, and if my, you know, if I was single, I don't want to yeah. be t- tall now. What's the point in that? When you're married. When I was younger, it would have been useful, yeah. wouldn't it? Reach, <laughs> reach high shelves. Porn. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I've seen a lady's boobs. I don't need to reach the porn. <laughs> thanks seen to my wife. Thanks to my all. living wife. <laughs> Is that what you call her? Your living wife? Yeah. <laughs> My currently living wife. I haven't, I'm not planning to murder her. <laughs> Don't imagine if this gets used in court. court. Yeah, we, this, yeah. this brother, we would hand it in. It seemed Richard Herring was planning something here. He covered it, he covered it quite well. <laughs> and did say he wasn't going to murder us. The entire audience just shouts, Stranger Danger. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little bit of a serious question after chatting about Richard's wife dying. Um, <laughs> which I, I'm going to start with. I'm not, not David Mitchell because he looks terrified. <laughs> Literally recoiling from yeah. me. <laughs> Not me, not me, not me, not me. Not, not a serious one. No. I'm going I'm to start with David Mitchell. Oh. Um, <laughs> were you encouraged to show your emotions when you were younger? Because it's, it's quite often put out there that, that men aren't brought up to feel any emotion other than anger. So I wondered if you were encouraged to kind of just go with it. I think I, I don't think I was discouraged, certainly. I think, I think my... I, I'm more repressed and buttoned up than my parents. So I think that, that the sort of extent to which I don't show my emotions comes from me rather than my upbringing, I think, largely. Um, so, no, I wasn't, I wasn't ever... I, I, don't remember, uh, I, I don't remember being told it wasn't OK to cry or, or to, you know, express how I felt. or I, I sort of picked that up myself from pro- probably certainly not from my parents but possibly from the world yeah and certainly at school it, it definitely wasn't okay to cry um you know, <laughs> and or to sneeze um, <laughs> uh, um uh, no i yeah at school, I, re- I remember the, the point of you know realizing very clearly at school that no if you're upset about something do not cry it will just make everything worse um you know you'll get the uh, the piss taken um and that feel, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen at, at that point. So yeah, that I suppose that sort of societal pressure mm-hmm. not to show that emotion um, was there. Um, but 
but yeah, I've, 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 if anything, I've felt, in, <laughs> I've felt as an adult, there's pressure to express things I don't want to express. I've took to the extent to, I, you know, I've not had, a, uh, you know, I've, I've not had terrible experiences in my life that I've felt I can't express. So I've had a, quite a nice time and I don't want to, I don't want to go on about the bits that weren't, Perfect, uh, and and I don't, you know, I've, I've I've feel uncomfortable when people try and draw that out. But then, if I, for example, fought in the First World War, um, it probably would have helped to chat it through. <laughs> um, I imagine, you know, because that's so. Yeah, but that my parents were nice, but yeah, it's it was not okay for boys to cry at school when I was a child, and I suspect it isn't now, and that's probably. Uh, you know, that probably does untold psychological damage. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Is that a similar experience that you had, other David, Mr Morrissey? Me, yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, yeah, no, not at all. We weren't encouraged to talk about our emotions. We were, talk we were encouraged to sort of get on with it, really. But I think, um, and also what I saw around me, so how, my ad how the adults, you know, my major caregivers sort of, behaved it was very stoic really and very sort of getting on with it i mean there was fun i mean it doesn't it wasn't sort of i mean you know it was a, we did laugh and stuff but if you were troubled by stuff uh, i would never bring it to my parents i would never talk to my parents about that and also at school it wasn't just crying that wasn't uh, it was frowned upon or laughed at actually trying trying you know putting your hand up in class and saying oh i know the answer to that that was a fucking Death, you get your head kicked in for something. So the whole thing was, my school was, I mean, the reason I'm an actor was I saw Kez when I was a kid. I saw that film and I went, how the fuck do they do that? That's my school. They're my people. They're exactly like the lads in my school. And they've reflected this on, on film. And that question of how do you do this took me into wanting to be an actor to solve that problem. But that school in Kez is just like the school I went to. The teachers were bullies, the lads were bullies. There was no sort of idea of safety. And, in the, and the house was like that as well, and then, you know, and around it. But there was a lot of laughter. There was a lot of music, there was a lot of laughter as well. But the underlining thing was always this sense of violence and danger or, or, or vulnerability. You weren't allowed to be vulnerable. And that was really strange. And I think it is one of the decisions about becoming an actor was I wanted to explore emotions in a safe place that I couldn't explore them in, a, in an unsafe place. So, you know, I got to my local theater and went, yeah, I'll do that. I can do this, I can do that. I can be this guy, that guy. But myself was like locked up. And it took me a long time. I mean, if I'm honest, it's still taken me a lot of time to sort of unpack all that and see where I am and that idea of what a man is and what you're supposed to be revealing and what it's all right to talk about. That's still an ongoing question for me, and particularly around vulnerability and shame is the big one, toxic shame. The fact that you're guilty for what you've done, but you're shamed about who you are, that's massive for me. And, uh, and I'm working through that all the time, yeah. Amazing answer. Do you pass that on to you? You said you've got boys. Do you pass that on to your kids? Yeah, I belt them all the time. <laughs> I say, well, don't bring your problems to me. <laughs> you know, tell your mother. Uh, Take I, this kestrel. Uh, uh, get on that. <laughs> get on that bloody chimney now. Uh, yeah. No, I don't actually. But I'm a bit like David. I sort of do the opposite with my kids now. I sort of cry all the time and sort of, you know. 
John Lewis advert. Get lost. <laughs> I mean, I watched that and I'm in buckets and my, my lads are, my, my, and my daughter are like, Dad, will you stop it? <laughs> you know, but it does, it also brings in that thing about what is joy and what is, ha you know, I can have a laugh, but the idea of being okay in oneself, that's, that's, that's a big one. Yeah, I think it is a big one for all of us. Mm -hmm. Richard? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th I think, I don't think I was, um, I remember a feeling that what, what you were meant to be as a boy, I didn't like the fact that, you know, I wasn't, in, I wasn't interested in sport. I wasn't very good at sport. I wasn't interested in cars and things like that. There are lots of boys. And it kind of annoyed me that if you were interested in, like, le like learning <laughs> or, be, you know, trying to be funny, that those were, you know, the, the sport boys could all go, I'm the best at football. And everyone go, yes, you are. But if you can, went, I'm the best at mathematics. Yeah, they go, yeah. no, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to do it. And it kind of annoyed that, you know, it was, again, it was the sort of school, the, the other kids bringing you down. I think, you know, like, as, I think you, as a parent, I think my parents, I mean, it is a generational thing. My parents are, you know, are, are um, now in the 80s. So they were quite, they were, they were, they were pre sort of 60s parents, you know, when they, with my older brother and sister. And, um, I think there was a sort of a reserve there, sort of Victorian reserve a little bit, especially with my dad. But um, I think you, you want to keep your... I, I want to keep my son, you know, emotional and happy as long as I can. And I think it's school that... I think it's other kids that knock it out of you. So the idea... You, you want... You, I want my son to be gentle and kind and, you know, not feel that he has to uh, conform to those things. And I don't think I felt I had to. I don't, even if maybe the peer pressure was that way, I kind of felt like I want to be funny and I want to be sensitive and I think it was quite a, I was quite a sensitive child um, and I don't it didn't really get not I didn't get it knocked out of me I had a, I had a weird child because my dad was my headmaster in my secondary school so I weird. kind of uh, mm. <laughs> 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 but he was quite a popular headmaster but it, but it was still like a weird thing but you know but I got used to the idea of that otherness and that, that kind of you would get a bit bullied but I sort of a little bit protected from being bullied as well because people were scared that they'd get into trouble would friends at school tell you things would they share things with you in case you sort of and my friends would but yeah but you know I think people were just a little bit there was that suspicion about you and mm -hmm. so I think that kind of more than anything kind of haunted my life because then you left school and you, <laughs> still, you still thought oh well everyone's still a bit suspicious of me yeah, doesn't yeah. you know so you, you, you it's brought it, up as a sort of despised <laughs> prince <laughs> we may not touch his garments <laughs> right. but uh, I did but then I did a show about being a bit my dad being my headmaster and I kind of re in that show when I was 38 or whatever I was at the time I wrote it I suddenly thought of it from my dad's point of view for the first time and realized how much more difficult it was for him than it was for me. And it genuinely hadn't struck me. I just, oh, it's so, no, it's so unfair, my dad being my headmaster. Oh, look, all the things. Just think how... Oh, I was quite naughty, you know, he'd sometimes get into trouble, and he then had to deal with that in a level-headed and fair way. And so it's... Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think, you know, we're, we're, um, many of us are writers or performers, and I think, you know, you, are, you do have to access your emotions still. So I don't think my emotions were stunted and stopped but yeah i feel like that that idea of masculinity uh and conforming to being tough and being beaten up but i, but I was i mean i was quite i faced off bullies and I, I wouldn't fight them back but i would allow them to punch me and allow <laughs> yeah, i remember one time well and then just and then stand up to it and then they get, you get respect from them. there was one time when stephen ford decided to just kung <laughs> kung fu name. me name kung fu me in the back You're like do, running kung fu kicks into my back 
and I didn't re respond at all. So he carried on doing it, and I was going, oh, I think a fly has landed on my back. And there's that, you know, and he was really hurting me. And I just carried on walking around till he got tired. tired. <laughs> and then all the hard kids, and then I did cry right at the end. They saw me go off and cry, and all the... Paul Cambridge, who was the nicest of the hard kids. I don't know if you know... Um, you might know him as, they all called themselves by their dad's name so his nickname was Tom you might know him as what? Tom uh, so, <laughs> that's um, a thing he came and said no you, we, you got our respect that day but then you did cry at the end so. it's good that you've let you're him go so and you don't remember you all the names <laughs> let it go Colin what about you you see, um, it's quite funny as I listen to everybody there because in the world of sport, which I was in from the very beginning uh, of my schooling, um, it's okay to cry because if you're happy because you've won, the whole team would be quite joyous and they'd be tears of joy. And if you suffered a defeat, it was quite okay for you to cry in front of everybody because you were absolutely devastated and gutted. So, you know, sport has this one big side of it where people think, strong, masculinity, et cetera, et cetera, but your emotions are allowed to flow um, as, as yeah. taken. You should have done sport. Well, I once cried when, <laughs> when I lost at Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. That was very much frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the people who had won at Monopoly wanted me to you know, to be more supportive of their success. <laughs> and I, my view was that their success could fuck off. <laughs> So that was me in school then, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one of the big things, and one of yeah. the positive sides, I guess, of sport in that sense. And, and so you, you were showing your emotions all the time, so there was no, there's no judging you in, in, in that particular way. But yeah. also that's quite... Could you save up, like, if you wanted to cry about something totally different, <laughs> could you save it up for when you did really well or did really badly and just get it all out at the same time? <laughs> No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember... Now, this is a little bit sad, but it, it's also a bit of positive. I remember I crossed the line for winning this big race, big competition, and I, and I went down onto the, onto the floor, you know, you're devastated, and you're crying, you're crying, you're crying, and people are like, oh, look, at he's, you know, he's really happy, he's tears of joy. Actually, I was crying because I'd not cried of my grandfather's death. And so it's quite true what you said in that sense, that... All of a sudden, when emotion just comes over you, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'd rather have lost that race and had my granddad watching mm -hmm. instead. So, yes, in one way, it's quite bizarre, yeah, but you sort of save up the emotions. You for opened that a door yeah. and that was allowed and to come through. The, and, that was the and first it's still really healthy. It doesn't matter why, when, it's still ball, very healthy. Ball, ball, ball. Get it all out there. That's incredible. Um, I'm going to ask you about your, um, your childhood bedrooms. Um, <laughs> what they were like. <laughs> Should we start with Richard? <laughs> um, Just describe, like, what was the deck or what posters did you have? I really liked the colour orange. I had really bright, not even bright, sort of dark orange walls. Um, I had a single bed with an orange little. There weren't duvet. I remember when duvets came in, there was just a sheet and like a little orange bedspread on top of it. I had um, a. I had my grandparents' old sort of radiogram thing that they that they didn't want anymore, which was a turntable, an old radio, uh, and it had like compartments you could keep records in. But I, I, it wasn't really a secret cupboard, but uh, it was my idea that it was a secret cupboard and I kept my porn mags and stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> and my diary. Would be so and proud. my diary. Uh, and uh, yeah, I had um, 
Uh, I had football posters on my wall. I didn't really get. I wasn't into music and I wasn't into bands. And uh, and I think I sort of. And I wasn't massively into football. I don't. I don't know why. I, I liked um, playing Sabutio <laughs> <laughs> against myself and co- and commentating on it. Uh, and. Um, <laughs> And so I kind of, and, and Shoot magazine used to have the league tables ladder that you get at the beginning of the season. I used, I loved that. I loved all the statistics of sports. So I think, I think I put like pictures of footballers up on my wall because I thought that's what was expected of me. But I didn't, and I, I supported Leeds United because I was from Yorkshire, uh, sort of, just as, as that's what you had to do. But so, so my my walls were actually defined until I got a bit older, and then I started putting comedy posters and shows I've been in and stuff like that at school. Um, and so it became a bit more as to who I really was. So that yeah, it was a, it was sort of weirdly uh, not quite who I was, I guess, at that point. Hmm. Putting had, as I was saying before, I think the show wasn't it had a picture, a poster of Frank Worthington on my wall, who was like quite a <laughs> middle-aged footballer with a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to not. I mean, I was more interested in the blonde one from Abra. I don't know why there wasn't. <laughs> I loved old Bjorn. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I was. I didn't get into music, and yeah, I didn't. And I, yeah, I just had a fairly boring. The smallest room. I was the third child, so I had the smallest room. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I was saying before the show, a little alcove which I, I tried to bore a hole. Wait till the end of the story. <laughs> I, tried <to> bore, <laughs> I tried to bore a hole through the wall into my sister's bedroom. Wait till, I, lived, I, grew, I grew up in Somerset, but wait till the end of the story because my uh, sister's friend, Barbie, was staying in there that night and I was kind of hoping that I might <laughs> Decided to bore a hole that night rather yeah. than starting like months in advance. I got a little bit it, and it didn't really work. What was your tool of choice? Um, I think I used a uh, compass. I think that's what the, that's, <laughs> yeah. As good a tool as any. Uh, you know, I think that's the, all that was the, basically the tool of the child, wasn't that? So it is the weapon. <laughs> it's digging tool. And it basically was just plasterboard and I broke a bit of it and then I was, then I hid, <laughs> I hid that behind Frank Worthington, <laughs> which was like. It's the Shawshank Redemption. So it's uh, it's my Shawshank Redemption. So it's, it's like a poor man's Shawshank, yeah, it is. isn't it? And I didn't I didn't get to. I mean, it's an awful story of me being a t- try, attempting to be a peeping tom. But if you'd seen Barbie, you would have understood. We, we all believe that more than we do the football. football yeah. <laughs> well, that was much more who I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a twelve-year-old pervert. <laughs> like. Um, Colin, what was your bedroom like when you were a kid? Oh, it was awful. I, I think it caused more arguments between myself and my mother was the state of my bedroom. Um, it didn't change its decoration either from the age of four to 17. So when I was four, <laughs> I loved Disney. <laughs> so my wall was covered with Pinocchio, Donald Duck, Ooh. Mickey Mouse, yeah. Wasn't so cool at 15, right? <laughs> but that's all I had on the wall in that sense. But it was a, it was generally always a tip. I would literally take clothes off and just chuck it there and take something else off and chuck it there. And I remember once my mother saying, why have you got sandwiches under your bed? I made those six weeks ago. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just a pig, I think. <laughs> that just said, with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck surrounding me. Think, just looking it. down and you, yeah, dis- yeah, disapproval. Very, very disapproving. <laughs> but I said, I couldn't even told you what colour my carpet was because there was just clothes everywhere. Absolutely. And is that normal? 
Yeah. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> I think, I, I think the yeah. rotting sandwiches and the old Disney posters are <laughs> slightly more macabre. Okay. <laughs> a bit like a sort of child Miss Havisham. <laughs> frozen at the Mickey Mouse appreciating age and refusing to move on. Or eat sandwiches. Or eat sandwiches. I told her I didn't like bologna sandwiches, and so yeah. she insisted on keep giving them to me. I think because they always disappeared, she thought I liked them. But they just disappeared under the bed, really. That was the real thing. So, why, yeah. Why didn't you put them in the bin? Because she would have known. A different bin? <laughs> but she, she would have known. <laughs> she scrutinised the bin, but she never looked under your, your bed. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. just a bizarre thing. But, yeah, it was a real... And, and, I'm completely the opposite now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, no, I mean, everything has to be clean. But you'd have clear. to, if you've got 600 pairs of trainers, you yep. wouldn't... They're beautifully you... stacked in Are the they? loft as well. Yes, oh. yes, yes. I full of baloney. Yeah, full <laughs> of baloney. <laughs> 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 that my mum sneaked in. <laughs> Just called payback. But, yeah, no, I'm completely different. But, yeah, I was a child. Oh, it was awful. And I think about it on reflection. But there was big old speaker boxes, because I love my music as well, so I had lots of speaker boxes in my room and amplifiers and uh, there was a lot of reggae music played, which I'm pretty sure the neighbours didn't enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, the smell of rotten bologna. Ah, well, I think the neighbours <laughs> thought it was their husband's feet. <laughs> Maybe Did that's it... what I could smell. <laughs> it wasn't balls at all. <laughs> David Mitchell, what was your bedroom like? Um, well, I remember it had... I had two bedrooms in my childhood. Oh, very One, nice. because we moved house when I was eight. Oh, oh I think some and, people over there thought yeah. you had two Ooh. bedrooms. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I had a, a summer bedroom and a winter bedroom. Um, no, not, never, never two at once. Um, I'm just being historically comprehensive here. Um, yeah, so well, I can't really remember the one I had before I was eight. And then I had one when I was eight, and it was painted blue... And I did have posters on the walls, and I, but I remember the bed was pushed up against the wall and I did have a duvet that was blue to go with the walls Ooh, and the nice. duvet had just come in. <laughs> and that was... Younger man, younger man. And I definitely had posters, but I don't know what they were. But I remember, the, the, I remember two things about the room. I remember the fact that after a few... After sort of the winter... Uh, my parents discovered that the way that we, we had a lot of condensation in the house. Uh, that seems to be something that doesn't happen now. But it was like every morning in the winter, the windows and to a certain extent, the walls would be running with water. And uh, as a result, my parents discovered quite a large buildup of mould between the bed and the wall. And they, they moved the bed out and they sort of said, right, OK, you can't have your bed against the wall. This is sort of... This is, the house is too disgustingly damper place <laughs> for that to be sanitary. So I remember that about it. Um, and, I, and I remember the point at which they said, OK, we're going to redo your room. We're going to put some insulation on the wall so you can have some things against the wall. And they did it in, like, light green. And it was... I, in my mind, I was 12 at the time. In my mind, this was... I was growing up. This was a sophisticated room. And so whatever the posters were, they came down and I had, like, pictures... But they were just the random pictures that my parents didn't want to put up anywhere else. <laughs> there was a picture of a castle, a couple of 
<laughs> a couple of sort of pencil drawings of dogs. Um, like a cheap hotel. Uh, yeah, no, exactly, very much. Exactly. And I, you know, I'm not particularly into dogs, but I had, you know, 65%, 66.6 recurring of my decoration for a while was dogs. Um, and then I, and at one point I was given a, a sort of quite, in quotes, sophisticated photograph of a lake. Where, where the, so the trees around the lake were reflected in the lake. It was a, a photograph the photographer was, was keen on when it had been taken, and I thought this was absolutely the business, and I was totally grown up. Um, and so I had that. And then briefly, I had a... Uh, not briefly, uh, for a long time, I had a tropical fish tank, because uh, I was massively into tropical fish for a weekend. <laughs> and got, uh, persuaded, got up the stuff... Uh, bought, went to the shop, bought the tropical fish, which are they were much less expensive than you imagine individually, tropical fish. So I've got quite a lot of tropical <laughs> fish. Put them in the tank, the heater going, everything. And then they, I lost complete interest in the whole project. I fed them, but they just died one by one. Uh, as they do, you know, they're not long-lived. Uh, until there was one neon tetra, it was called. Oh, I uh, love those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of them left in an increasingly sort of um, algified cuboid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and that, that neon tetra continued to live, I swear, for another two or three years. <laughs> and I, I felt, look, I've get, offered this tiny organism a home. I can't, I can't turn the heater off or the pump off. This has to keep going until... And obviously it became increasingly hard to tell whether it was still alive in there. But, you know, every few weeks I'd get a sighting and I'd say, oh, no, the neon tetra's still there. Sprinkle some of the stuff in. Did you call it neon tetra? You didn't even have a name for it. No, I didn't have... Well, that's the difference, I would say, between if you've got three goldfish, you give them names. Yeah. If you've got a tropical fish tank with sort of 25 fish, <laughs> quite small ones... But you is, had one for three! When, when it comes down to one... Yeah, no, but by the time... time. <laughs> by the time there was one left, the whole having a tropical fish tank experiment God. Ha hadn't worked. I wanted to get rid of it. it was, I wasn't thinking, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I expect it'll live another three years. I'll name it. <laughs> and, and then once you haven't named it for six... Once, once you're essentially just waiting for it to die. <laughs> um, you, you don't think... I'm, I'm going to start thinking of him as Chris. <laughs> the very popular um, fish name. Yeah. Anyway, eventually the, um, the, the little neon tetra did die and I was able to take the huge green cuboid out of the room. And, yeah. Was Surely. it a sense of relief when it died? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I was absolutely He's sick of it. dead! Yeah. 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 Surely that smelt worse than my bologna sandwiches. Yeah, it sounds like it might have done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There might have been a little bit of a sort of pond weedy. Um, and David Morrissey, what was your bedroom like? When uh, you yeah, I had, uh, like David, I had two different bedrooms, not uh, in the same house, but I, um, I, my, in the first house I shared with my two brothers who are a lot older than me. One's 12 years older than me, the other one's eight years older than me, so I didn't get a look in, really. I, there was nothing of me in the bedroom, you know, nothing on the walls. And then when we moved house, they insisted that they wanted their own bedroom and they weren't going, and they painted all the walls black and stuff. So I shared with my sister, which was really strange. So, and again, I wasn't allowed to have that much around that was mine. So on the walls were like David Cassidy. <laughs> and, and this guy called Ben Murphy, who was, uh, there was this TV show called uh, 
alias Smith and Jones, yeah. So she had this poster of him in this bath, in that sort of tin bath. Yeah, look at you, nothing. And, uh, and, he had, and he was in the bath and he had a big cigar on and he had a gun and he was like that. And he had a big hairy chest. And I thought, that's what being a man is, that. I want to be like that. And that was Ben Murphy. Do you remember? And that's why we know David's balls Same are clean. Because that's that was always it. in a tin bath. <laughs> so that was in it. In a bath with a gun. Cigar. And yet that's... you're not allowed to see his penis. <laughs> that was it. What's going on? I think the cigar was uh, doubling for his penis. But anyway, it was that sort of thing, you know. So she had, like, the Osmonds. Uh, David Cassidy, who died recently, and I, I actually thought of that poster of, of, on the wall of this, this smiling face, you know. So it was all her stuff. And there was a lot of, actually, orange as well. There was a lot of sort of burnt brownie, orangey stuff in the bedroom. My bed was in the corner, and she had everything out there, which was great. I mean, I loved it, actually. It was really... It was a fun place, and she was always playing sort of Elton John songs. Uh, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road was a massive album for her, and we used to play that, and she used to... That's why you're crying at the John Lewis advert. It is. <laughs> it is. And, we, we, and she'd dance, and I'd dance and stuff with her. It was all that stuff. And then before that, her and her friend Jane, they used to do this thing in Jane's garage, which was they used to put on shows for people in the, in the, in the, uh, on the estate, <laughs> on Jane's estate. And, uh, and they'd rope me in. So they'd do things like, uh, I'm a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush, and I'd have to come on and do a little bit. So I think that was it as well. And that was it. They'd do all these shows. And uh, so I was very close to my sister because she was the youngest in the family. I was the youngest, and then it was her. So I shared the bedroom with her, but it was a really great place. And then she went to university, and I was in the room. And I, didn't, I put up a couple of uh, shoot things like Richard had. Those uh, stuff, uh, they... Uh, lead table things. Before you said you supported, you went from Leeds to York City. And I remember York City because it was the last one on the, on the yeah, board. That's right, that used to but um, I put a few things like that, but I kept those. I certainly kept the Ben Murphy one up there. <laughs> I think it was like that aspirational thing. You know? If I can get that many bubbles in my life, I'm going to be all right. You know? But um, yeah, so that was it. <laughs> Thank and you. you kind of bypassed the need to make any holes with a compass. Yeah, I didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> My question for all of you guys is, can men have it all? <laughs> do you think... <laughs> do you think men can have it all? Well, over the, uh, their entire lives, they possibly can. You can't have everything all at the same time. That is, that's the, uh, you know, that, that's one of the dichotomies as a, in my life, I think, as a man, is between that kind of the fun of being single and the and the wonder and security of being in a relationship and being a father. Uh, and you can't do, though, you can't have it all at the same... Well, some people attempt to have it all at the same time. But <laughs> I don't think... I, I don't think... Yeah. I don't think you can, because that's, you know... I'm glad that throughout my life... I've sort of experienced most... You get, you get the ups and downs, and you experience most things, and happiness and unhappiness, and wealth and not wealth. And So I think you can... Uh, over a lifetime, I think you can sort of have it all, but many things are mutually exclusive, and you can't have them at the same time. Good answer. Anybody else got anything to chip in on that? Uh, no, you can't have it all, uh, I, I would think. I think, and you don't need it all. You just, you know, there's that thing of, uh, I think it's, you can have enough and you can have what you need. But that thing of what, wanting it all is slightly a chasing thing, isn't it? It's that thing of, that this, you get to a place where you think you've got this and you want something else. You know, mm. that, that's, it's like, what have you got? Looking at what you've got and is this what I need? Is it, is it making me happy? That thing of chasing all the time. 
That's a really dangerous place. So no. Well, yeah, because when are you ever happy? Yeah, because yeah. it's always over there. It's mm. over there. It's never here. And that's totally. you've got to be very careful about that. Thank you. We always allow everybody to plug things. If anybody has anything to plug, uh, do you have anything to plug, Richard? Um, uh, well, I've got a book called Emergency Questions, which is yes. out at the moment, which is a bit like what you've been doing throughout this podcast, <laughs> just asking sort of weird questions that aren't joined Thanks. together. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think we asked anybody about armpits that squirt yeah. sour cream. <laughs> 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 a th- I've got a thousand and one questions. You're welcome to use any of them. <laughs> So, and that's out now, yes. Yep. Colin, do you have anything to plug? Only my new iron I bought last week. Oh, so, oh is yeah. it good? It's really good, yeah. That's the only thing I'd like to plug. <laughs> Straight you... in the socket and then go, can you iron this for me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have a radio show? I do have a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> do you want to mention your radio? When are you on the radio? You're trying to cut down on listeners. Yeah. Because I do a radio show with my sister, I just blame her. <laughs> so, yes, we do have a radio show back home in Radio Wells, and it's on a Sunday morning. And myself and my sister, uh, named Suzanne Packer, formerly from Casualty, um, uh, we do that together. And it's a lot of fun, because she's my big sister, and um, she tells me off just with her eyes. <laughs> you know? As only big sisters to do. And when she gives you that look, you go... Okay. <laughs> I'll be a behave. <laughs> David Mitchell, do you have anything to plug? I would like to plug the, uh, the Christmas special of Upstart Crow. Yeah. Uh, um, so and, and if everyone in the country could please watch, <laughs> then they might let us make some more episodes. When is it on? Do you know when it's on? No. No. <laughs> so they, it's a Christmas special, so we're hoping for something in December. <laughs> yeah. But they... Uh, uh, so, you know, but I, you know, I imagine on Christmas Day afternoon, straight after the Queen. I mean... Instead of be. the Queen, maybe. Instead, instead, of, instead the queen. of the Queen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's got even more gags in than the Queen's annual broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. David Morrissey? Uh, I don't, actually, uh, but I am moving house at the moment, so I've got a box of DVDs if anybody wants them. (laughs) Uh, Some of them are BAFTA screeners. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Don't tell anyone you got them from me. And a couple of CDs and stuff like that, so see me afterwards. I've got a lot of Richard's uh, DVDs. I've got a a whole box of them. (laughs) Unwrapped. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a lot of those as well. <laughs> um, I've got a DVD. Uh, my DVD comes out on the 3rd of December. Um, uh, what's it called, Sarah? Oh, I'm shit this. Uh, it's called Control Enthusiast, because I'm not a control freak. Fuck off. <laughs> um, should we... Do you want to plug the podcast? And Yeah, Standard Issue. So we do uh, podcasts every Wednesday and three out of four of those are a magazine for ears where we chat to mainly women, usually always women, about various things, but we've just done a series where we spoke to some men because apparently they've got stuff to say too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> went fine apart from awkward silences. And, we... and you can't smell the balls on a podcast, so that's great. <laughs> you can, you just have to scratch harder. <laughs> that's uh, the same with the balls, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just, just when David moved then, quite a lot. 
It's these trousers. Um, and every fourth one is a recording of our gig cast. And please just tell people to come along to the gigs because there's always like stuff and faces that you can't see on a podcast because that's how they work. Thank you so much for coming. You've been an absolutely glorious audience, as you always are. Uh, and please join me in thanking our excellent guests, David Morrissey, David Mitchell, Colin Jackson, Richard Warren, Mickey Noonan, Sarah Milliken. Good night. Thank you very much. Thank you.